right, guys, what's going on? Today, we're going to talk about risk, reward, and regret. And these are three things I've kind of written down a few different things that I have come across here that have started to kind of irk me about our society, about our community, and the way that we talk each other into the safe cookie cutter paint by the numbers approach to everyday life that I think is a guaranteed path to regret and unhappiness and, you know, just not really getting to a place later in life where we feel really good about our health, our wellness, our mental state, our financial state, our happiness, all these other things. And we're going to just kind of think about how we can start to take some steps to move forward beyond that, start to see them when they hit us, when people come at us with these things where they say things like, be careful or stay safe or all these other like generic terms that we use to constantly be putting people in a state of, you know, hey, just keep being, you know, a sheep, keep being somebody who just like follows the herd and doesn't think for themselves. And I'll tell you the situation that sort of prompted this podcast is there was somebody from the gym who posted a, you know, story about themselves and, you know, all the weight they had lost and they were really proud of some weightlifting that they had just done and some PRs that they've hit. And they've gone through some life circumstances this past year that were really challenging for them personally. And, you know, all these people in there, they know the person struggles and they're like, congrats, that's amazing. Keep it up. You're kicking ass. I'm so proud of you. Blah, blah, blah. Like all these things that are positive, 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 positive. And then you go down and somebody says, be careful. And it's like, all right, so let's break that down because this happens all the time. I see it nonstop. And it's not just with CrossFit stuff. It's with all kinds of things. Somebody does something that maybe has a risk factor that's uncomfortable for certain people. And they try to knock them down to their peg of comfort level and say, like, be careful, or that's stupid, or that's dangerous, or that's this, or that's that. And it's so like, it's that to me, Anytime somebody is going out of their way to bring another person's accomplishments down or bring something to somebody where they are going to try to get them to be more, you know, conforming to a life of sitting on the couch and doing nothing but like purchasing consumer goods and watching Netflix. It drives me bananas. Like it absolutely drives me up a wall. And I see it in a couple different instances, but let's finish out this exact uh, kind of discussion on this particular instance. So they say, be careful. Well, let's boil down what they're talking about. Okay. So risk and reward, they are in a constant balance, right? If I go onto the stock market right now, there are safe stocks that have been around for generations and have been doing well. There's like Microsoft or Intel or somebody like that who's been in the computer industry for going on 40 years and has been you know, a profitable and financially viable company for quite a long time. That's a pretty safe stock. I'm not going to make outlandish returns with Microsoft or Johnson & Johnson 
Amazon or, you know, any or Walmart. Right. I'm going to get pretty stock returns out of most of those. There's not a lot of risk there. Right. So that's how we think about this. Now, if I take a lot of risk and I go and find some you know, teeny tiny company who just got on the stock market and they're trying some new obscure, you know, robotic cancer research development drug. And, you know, <laughs> chances are they're going to just be bleeding through tons and tons of money. And I invest all of the money that I have in that stock. Well, that is a gigantic risk. Okay. Now, there are chances that they crack it, right? Like their robots can cure cancer and all of a sudden that company is going to be vaulted into a billion dollars. I'm going to make a lot of money and, you know, an absolutely uh, equal reward to the risk that I took. But what we want to be thinking about is how we look at risk and reward, how we mitigate our risk and reward as it pertains to health and fitness. And so one of the things that I find is the ignorance as it pertains to health and fitness and the way that these globo gyms and country club gyms and country club personal trainers have designed the mindset of Americans to be as it pertains to health and fitness is inherently safe. And it's the same thing with doctors. It's inherently safe. They are going to default to telling you, ah, you know, I think you should just rest for eight weeks. There's almost no situation physically where rest, where doing nothing is the right answer. I think you're going to be hard pressed to find an actual like Injury Now, not something like, okay, you get in a car wreck and, you know, you've got a severe concussion and a broken neck. Yeah, do nothing. Like, you're not even going to have a choice in the matter, right? But, you know, let's say something like, okay, we've got, you know, a slightly torn meniscus in our right knee. The right answer is not to do nothing. It's a terrible answer, but it's a safe answer, right? They know that while... You know, you're not going to maximize recovery. You're not going to strengthen the muscles around it. And you're not going to keep yourself healthy and fit and, you know, chemically balanced and mentally strong. While you're maybe going to sacrifice all of those things, yeah, maybe we won't damage the meniscus any further, right? And so they play it safe. They don't want to be able to be held liable for telling you to do physical therapy and continue to do some light aerobic exercise. And then you tear your meniscus more and you're like, well, you told me to do that stuff and blah, blah, blah. Because that's the culture we live in, too, where people like to blame other people for the choices that they're making. And so we get into this culture of everybody's be careful, be careful, right? The One of the most dangerous activities you can do. So somebody's going to say be careful to a person posting a back squat PR with perfect form, right? So let's just, so that's the situation we're talking about. So be careful, right? Yet that person drove to the gym. Like, think about that. Driving is one of the number one causes of death in America. And when we start thinking about young people's death, it's like driving and suicide. Driving is inherently way more dangerous. So how do we mitigate the risks of driving? Well, we wear a seatbelt and we don't get on our cell phones and we pay attention and we do all these other things. And it's the same thing as it pertains to health and fitness, right? Look, we know what we're doing, right? Our seatbelt is our coaches, 
Okay, putting our cell phone down and being aware as a human, well, we can do that same thing anywhere. Almost any activity becomes dangerous if we're not paying attention. And almost any activity becomes inherently more safe if we are highly alert and aware. And so when we start to look at people and we say these things and we say, be careful, really what we're saying is, I don't understand that. And that looks like the risk outweighs the reward to me, right? And again, two things on that. One, that person's opinion, in your opinion, doesn't it doesn't matter, right? If you're not taking any risks with your life, then you have absolutely no basis to tell somebody else about how, you know, how to gauge the risks they're taking in their life. Okay, so that's number one. And number two, the problem is that person that you're telling be careful to, they're an adult. They're absolutely capable of balancing risk and reward. Okay, now there are times where humans and adults don't balance that risk and reward correctly. Okay, so let's say we're out at the bar on Saturday and, you know, Maria has four or five drinks. It's a little bit too much for her. And let's say she's like, well, I would, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. I'm going to go drive home. I'm going to say, uh, I don't think so, right? Yes, she is an adult. However, now she's inebriated. And so she's not going to make the most clear decisions on that. And now the risk greatly outweighs the reward of her driving. There's almost no reward outside of her getting home for free, essentially, or for, for very little by her driving herself. But the risk is that she is at a much, much higher you know, possibility of doing something terrible and being killed. So we're going to take that risk down. We're going to get an Uber or we're going to find a designated driver for her. Right. That seems pretty obvious. Okay, But for the most part, sober, normal adults, they're walking into risk reward situations every day and they should be doing that with eyes wide open. So what is the risk of a back squat done perfectly? Uh Almost nothing. Right? I'm not going to say nothing because there is right. You can have a weird knee twinge or, you know, a ligament or something cannot be set in the right place. Or you could twist your back and you could have a disc injury. You can have these other things. Certainly there is risk. But what is the opposite end of that? Not doing anything. Running. Right. So let's talk about running. Running has the highest rate of injury for any activity that we can do. And the reason is because there's no variability in the movement pattern. It's the same movement pattern over and over and over again. Now, if you were coming in, you're heavy back squatting every day, then certainly that is a dangerous activity. The risk is going to go up greatly and the reward is going to mitigate and be flatlined. There is almost no reward on a long enough timeline for that. So we should be thinking more about, you know, hey, you know, that fits into a a huge program that's well created for you under the watchful eye of a coach. That's as safe as we can exercise. And the more variability we have and the more coaching we have and the better of a program we're a part of, the less the risk is. And the cool part about fitness is the greater the reward is. So what we think about with this is people who haven't treated their bodies correctly, people who haven't done good foundation building for the long term and aren't making the smart risk reward decisions as it pertains to their health and fitness, they are going to reach a point in their life where they are not capable. And a lot of times it happens way sooner than they would like. 
And I can tell you just in being relatively young, but 35 doesn't feel that different from 25. And I know a bunch of 40 year olds who tell me they still feel like they're in their 30s. And it life just starts to happen really, really, really fast. Years go by very quickly. I was just telling Maria just was talking about the election stuff the other day. She goes, I feel like the last election like just happened. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy how fast four years goes by. And that stuff happens like lightning quick. But all that time in between, we have to be earning our capability later in life. And if we don't do that, we are going to be filled up with a lot of regret. And what I see with people is the people who were playing it safe all along the way, maybe they weren't exercising at all, which is obviously the the risks and rewards with that are way out of balance. Like it is a guarantee that you're going to have some sort of a chronic disease if you're not exercising and eating healthy and or worse. Right. And there's no reward to doing that outside of you get to watch more Netflix. Right. Which isn't really a reward. So when we think about those things, it's like, okay, but people who don't take any risks don't get any rewards. People who don't go out and do things, who aren't active, who aren't taking anything on in their life, they are going to be filled not only with physical incapacity. They're not going to be able to play with their grandkids. They're going to have to get hip replacements and back replacements and shoulder replacements. And they're going to have to go through physical therapy later in life when they're overweight and out of shape. And that is going to suck. So that's something they're going to have to deal with. But then they're also going to have to deal with regret because they never went out and never did anything. They never tried things. They stopped playing sports when they were young and now their grandkids want to throw the baseball with them and they can't do that anymore. Now their grandkids want to go out and go surfing and hiking and they can't do that anymore. And they lose all capacity because they were unwilling to take that little risk and go out and find, you know, a high quality training opportunity. And they instead sat on Facebook and told people to be careful. Like, it's insane to me. Why are we aspiring to be careful? I I don't get it. Like we live in this universe where everything is sort of given to us. And yet you can sit on your butt all day, do literally nothing, work from home, work from your computer, get groceries delivered to your house, prescription drugs delivered to your house and just live your entire life inside your house. But who the hell wants to do that? Why would we ever aspire to telling somebody else to do that? Uh, Be careful. Be careful. Like sit inside. Take no risks. Why? A life without any risk is going to be one of the most boring, unpleasurable, unhappy lives that you could ever live. And when we think about this, this risk reward idea, all the most thrilling things in life have a huge risk, right? Skydiving, bungee jumping, death or fun, right? Like huge risk, right? Big reward, a lot of fun, very thrilling. First kiss, Right. Might get denied. Oh, you know, deal with all that shame and guilt and disappointment and disapprovement and all those things like, oh, man, that's terrible. But might also have that butterfly feeling and find somebody to spend the rest of my life with and fall in love. Pretty incredible. Huge reward. These are all around us all day. All the things that are most worth having in our life come with a big risk. And this is true 
as we go into our next one with the statement real jobs. And I talk about this one all the time, guys. One of the biggest things that I see in all these entrepreneurial podcasts and forums and things I talk about or things that I pay attention to and listen to, I should say, one universal concept is people who are thinking about maybe letting their hobby or their passion be known out to the world always hedge themselves with a real job, quote unquote. I work a real job or I could always go back to my real job. X and Y and Z, and they hedge themselves with that statement. People get out and they graduate college and, hey, what are you going to do now? Ah, time to get a real job. What? Why? Why is that a statement? Why is that a phrase? Why is that a term we're using? It's there. There's no risk in getting a real job, right? None whatsoever. And so what I think all the time about is I think we should switch and we should utilize the analogy of a blank canvas. And this is what I think about all the time is the scariest thing in the world. The highest risk is for me to give you a blank canvas and say you're going to create something on this canvas. It could be words. It could be a business plan. It could be a drawing. It could be a musical composition. You can create anything in the world that you want, but you're going to have to show it to everybody and they're going to be able to judge you for it. And to most people, that's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Creating something original and then giving it out to other people and telling them, I want you to judge what I just did, what I just created. You're going to tell me if you like it or you don't like it. And yeah, that's what creating a business is, but that's what also what following your passion looks like. And it is risky, but it also comes with a huge reward. And the story that I heard the other day, which was very impactful to me, was a woman who had an autistic son and a mentally retarded daughter. And she was struggling to find something that she could do every day. And obviously that situation comes with a little bit more, you know, personal accountability later in life than most parents are maybe going to be used to. And so I think her kids were actually maybe coming up into their later teens or even into their twenties. And the one thing that they all had a passion for that they loved more than anything was chocolate chip cookies. And she started this business where they just made chocolate chip cookies themselves and they sold it to other mentally retarded and autistic children and mentally handicapped children. And they started to say, anybody who wants to come and help us make these chocolate chip cookies and package them and sell them, you're more than welcome. And so they started this uh, this business, basically. And I'm pretty sure at this point, like it's making over a million dollars a year. The majority of the money is going back to charity or is creating jobs for mentally handicapped people. And this woman found a passion project with her and her two kids. And there is a gap in between there. And so she said, you know, look, I've got this I've got a rough canvas. I've got a tough blank slate here, but I need to do something where we can find some degree of happiness, where we can get out of this sort of struggle, right? And she created her own thing. 
She followed her own passion. She listened to her own voice. And then she showed it out to the world and said, like, let's see if you like our cookies and the way that we make our cookies. And uh, there's obviously there's some unique things about the cookies, the way that they create them, the formations that they're sold in. And uh, they have a bunch of different varieties and things like that. But all that stuff doesn't really matter. Um, But she, she took this creative idea and she utilized their minds and they took this risk and they were rewarded greatly. And they're they're just the happiest people. When you watch the interview, it's just, it's absolutely incredible to see. But when we think about that, it's always like, I wonder all the time, why are we not more encouraging of people to follow passions and follow hobbies and take them just all the way and see if you can make it work? You know, draw your canvas, make it whatever you want to make it, and then just take the risk of showing it to somebody else or bringing it to other people and just see what they think. Because the reward on the other side is so much greater. And yeah, you can always fall back on a real job, on somebody else's passion project. And you're working on somebody else's passion, somebody else's thing that they created. But man, how cool would it be if we all lived in a society where instead of parents telling their kids they need to go out and get a real job, normal would be to tell your kids, you need to go out and follow your passion. You need to go out and find happiness and do something you love every single day. And why don't we live in that world? What is stopping us from doing that? So those two things to me, they drive me nuts. I saw, I've seen these multiple places over the last couple of weeks and I wrote them on my board and I put tally marks next to them for how many times I saw them or heard them come up. And it's like... It's like the world society is trying to tell us all the time to be safe. To just just do nothing, live in your cars, order from Amazon and, you know, spend all your money and just just sit and do nothing outside of come and work for, you know, my corporation and, you know, buy my corporate products. And outside of that, we don't want you to do anything. And it's like, why are we aspiring to that? I can't get it. Why are we aspiring for our kids to get regular jobs? Why are we aspiring to people to not exercise and be careful, not challenge themselves physically and mentally? What place have we gotten to in society where we aren't holding people accountable to these things? And this is where I think we've lost it is now we don't feel like we can actually tell people what we think and we don't actually feel comfortable anymore with putting ourselves out there. When you think about this, think about how many people have never actually created anything and put it out into society and been vulnerable in that way. Think about how many people, once they pass maybe 22, 23, never really go out and take any risks. Never really go out and sign up for something or do something that maybe uh, makes me a little nervous, right? I don't get any, uh, maybe a little thrill, right? I don't get any thrills. I think there's so many people that do this. I think there's so many people that go through life, they turn 60, they turn 70, and there's just no thrill for 20 or 30 years. 
And I think we slowly die a little bit on the inside every year that goes by that we don't do anything that's a little bit thrilling, that's a little bit challenging, that has that risk involved where, man, I could lose everything. I could get denied. You know, I'm not going to I didn't talk to or meet any women this year because I was afraid to talk to them, which meant that I had a zero percent chance of meeting the woman of my dreams. And when we think about things in this light, I think it's really obvious to see why this is so important to our mental and physical health to understand the risks which we take. Because if we get into the habit of not taking risks, then we develop only the habit of not taking risks. Every action that you take throughout the day is going to decide who you become later in life, what your habits are, what type of things you are adverse to and afraid of, and what type of things you'll avoid, and what type of person you will become for your grandkids and for your later life. And if you always avoid things that are hard, if you always avoid things that are dangerous, if you always avoid things that maybe have that little risk of embarrassment or disappointment, you'll lead a very, very narrow life. And that narrow life will lead to a lot of regret later in life. A lot of midlife crises where you kind of question, like, what have I been doing? What am I doing? What am I about? What, where, where am I at here? I've just worked 22 years for a business and a job that I don't believe in. And I haven't gone out and I have no hobbies. Have I haven't taken any risks? I'm not in, you know, I'm not in great physical or mental shape right now. As opposed to being somebody who has failed a hundred times because they've drawn a hundred different canvases and they keep showing it to people, and people are like, dude, that sucks. And you're like, all right, cool, I'll try it again and I'll try to make it better. And they try it again, and they're like, yeah, dude, that's a little better, but that still sucks. And you're like, all right, cool, I'm gonna try it again. I'm just gonna keep grinding and working on my hobby. It's like, uh, you know, Maria started kind of repurposing some dressers and redoing some furniture and stuff. And uh, at first it was like, I don't think she knew what the hell she was doing. She was like working with a blowtorch outside (laughs) and doing stuff. I was like, all right, this is getting, you're getting a little off the deep end. She's having a great time though. And you could see the passion kind of flaring. Then the last one she did, the last couple she's done, she's done a damn good job. And I'm like, dang, that looks pretty sweet. Like you could actually probably sell this. And then you see that light bulb switch. I'm like, you could re furbish furniture like this all the time. You love doing it. It's not work for you. Why don't we just put it out? We'll put some of it out for garage sale and see if people want to buy it. And if people want to buy it and you're just like, she would just do this stuff as a hobby for absolutely nothing, just out in the garage for fun. And now you can start to see other people want that. And now you can sell it. And it's like, so now she can, you know, make some extra money doing exactly what she wants to be doing, what she loves every day. Yeah, do it. You have to, you have to, you have to take the risk. You have to try. You have to keep doing it. You can't stop because as soon as you, as soon as you have a good idea, something you love, something you're passionate about, and you don't take that step, you are one step closer to never taking that step again. It's like I tell people with squats, every day you don't squat is one day closer to never being able to squat again or never being able to get up off the toilet again. Squat every day and then you will always have the capability 
to squat. And this is true when we start thinking about any of these risk rewards. Take risks, maybe not every day, but take risks that are equal or maybe slightly out of proportion towards the reward. Take those every day. One of the best things that I ever did, and I don't know how much this shaped me as a person, but uh, I took a probabilities and statistics class in in college when I went back to Ohio State. And it was a very influential class, not because I remember any of the actual mathematical pieces of it, but because there was a situation where we were playing a game and we started to tilt the scales of uh, probabilities, right? And we were showing blackjack probabilities and we were calculating the blackjack probability of wins for certain hands in certain situations. And so there's a situation where we were showing two eights and the dealer was showing a seven. And the, uh, the instructor, the professor said, you know, hey, is anybody willing to come up here and bet with their grade on this hand? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I was the only person in the class that raised my hands, class of like 120 people. I said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, okay, so here's going to be the deal. You have to, we'll play the hand out. And then you have to show me the probability, the mathematical you know, piece as to why you thought that this would be a good hand to bet on. And you get to choose how much you want to bet up to five percentage points of your final grade said, okay. So I came up on the you know overhead projector and I drew out the mathematical piece of why I was going to do it. I was going to split the eights and, you know, and just showed basically that now the scales were tilted in my favor, right? Just the way blackjack goes. So I bet. And I ended up winning one of the hands, not both of the hands. And then ended up getting 5% of my grade. That was something to me that stuck with me forever. But what I was shocked at was the whole class, I mean, maybe not the whole class, but the vast majority of the class knew that the probability was in their favor. You know, it's like, I don't know if it's 60, 40, 70, 30, whatever the actual mathematical piece of that is, but it was in your favor. And when things get tilted in your favor, you need to be willing to wager things to get that reward. And this is always the situation that we play, right, is when we start thinking about fitness or health and nutrition, I can start to tell you, like, look, if you follow this specific plan, this specific guideline, I can guarantee that at 60 years old, you will be a significantly more fit, more capable, more happy, more healthy version of yourself than you would have been otherwise. Now, certainly other factors can come in, like you can get hit by a car, you could develop cancer and things, but Who's to say that you wouldn't have developed cancer earlier in life? You know, or who's to say that, you know, these things that might come up and happen to you weren't going to happen, you know, in a more severe setting. Like cancer is going to hit you a lot harder if you're not in great shape than it is going to hit you if you are in great shape and you do have good healthy habits. And so we have to be thinking about balancing this risk reward in our life and be willing to be the guy who's going to raise their hand and say, I'm willing to take that risk because I know the reward is a happier, healthier life. And I think this this is true with everything that we do. If you guys are in that situation where we don't understand the risk and reward inherent with it, well, that's where we need to talk to experts and talk to a coach. If you don't understand the risks and rewards involved with investing and you're not willing to go and do all of the research yourself, 
it's a lot easier just find somebody who you know is a you know MFA I think it is Masters of Financial whatever right um, and a certified financial analyst and all these things find somebody who has spent their life devoted to understanding that risk reward balance. And then either ask them questions or say, hey, here's some of my money. Can you invest that for me? Because I don't know what I'm doing. It's kind of the same thing with CrossFit, right? It's, you know, hey, I'm going to come to you, somebody who's dedicated their life to understanding health and fitness and, you know, wellness and all these things. And I'm just going to say, hey, just tell me what to do. And then I can come and do it. And it's just going to be done for you. But that's how we need to be thinking about this. There's certain things that we need to be taking the risks, at least a little bit. We need to be taking those risks so that we can reap the rewards later in life. And if we start to get to the point where we are adverse to risk at all, if we're afraid of it, then we're going to be ending up with no savings, no investments, bad health, bad wellness, probably a poor relationship or no relationship. And we're going to be really, really outweighed. We'll have no rewards because we took no risks. And the more risks we are willing to take, the more you can start to think about things like turning your hobbies into businesses, making investment decisions in businesses that you believe in, that you know are going to be successful. And you can trust in that. Right. So those are the things that can start to lead you down paths of both happiness, but also with big rewards. Right. A lot of happiness, great contributions to your community, hobbies that are making you money that you love to do every day. I think that's something that we should all aspire to. And when we look at how our community talks with each other, pay attention to how many people are trying to keep you down all the time in our society. They are trying very, very, very hard to get you to be careful, be safe, you know, just get a real job. You know, donate, you know, put into your retirement and and just work a real job for 40 years and then you can retire and then you can start to take some risks and have some fun. Uh, I don't think so. Right. I don't think that that's really the best way for humans to live. Now, if you get a real job, but then, you know, at home at night, you've got your canvas and you're just like feverishly drawing and creating things and developing hobbies and turning those hobbies into passion projects. And those passion projects are firing you up every day and making you somebody who's like you're, you're hitting the ground hard every day because you know that that job is just a means to an end until you can go out and do your own thing. Well, that's okay. Right. That's a very, very different risk reward relationship than getting a real job and coming home and watching Netflix every day. So that's my risk reward and regret option is the more risks that you take that are balanced risks, the more rewards that you will receive and the less regret that you will have later in life. So if you guys haven't taken any risks this week, this month, if you guys haven't gone out and introduced yourself to somebody new, gone in for a first kiss, you know, maybe a metaphorical first kiss, right? Uh, and or, or taken your hobby to the next level or found a hobby or developed a hobby or even just sat and meditated and thought about what do I want to start as my next passion project? Find that, nurture it. And start to walk towards making that a bigger part of your life. 
So I hope that this finds some of you guys in the right way at the right time. And I hope that this can kind of help you guys and how you maybe talk to others, how you guys look at things like, you know, how doctors talk to you, how older people talk to you, how people who aren't involved with the risks and rewards talk to you. And one of the things to always keep in mind is that you and your opinion and your thought process is really all that matters to you. Somebody else who isn't going to take those risks, their opinion does not matter. And I'm going to finish here with one of my favorite quotes on this and just a brief discussion on it. But it's Teddy Roosevelt's The Man in the Arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. For those who understand that poem, for those who get that, that is basically the basis of this entire conversation. It encapsulates all of it in one statement. And I recommend you to look that up, to read it, to read it every week, to look at it every week, to listen to it every week, and really dive into it until you understand fully what he is saying. Because it's a discussion about how the opinions of people who are going to later in life live with regret do not matter. And you can see far away the people who are going to live their lives with regret, the people in the crowd who are never going to risk a thing, who are never going to reap any rewards, who will not know victory or defeat. They will have never, ever put themselves out on a limb. They do not matter because later in life, they will certainly face a lot of regret and unhappiness. And therefore, we should not aspire to listen to their opinions at all. They do not matter because their opinions are wrong. And if we let ourselves listen to them, if we take those opinions to heart, if we care what they say, then we will be less likely to know victory. We will be less likely to take those risks and reap those rewards and live a life full of happiness and enjoyment and fulfillment, full of rewards. So I hope that that makes sense to you guys. I hope that you get what I'm kind of saying with that. And I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. Super appreciative for everybody and their hard work this week. It's been fun to watch. Few things in the world that make me happier than watching people come in and lots of risk taking going on in the facility this week. And I hope that you guys are emulating that with your home lives as well. Thanks, guys.